had enough? Are fears and questions about your worth keeping you on the sidelines instead of making a powerful impact and income with your consulting or coaching? You're in the right place. I'm Betsy Jordan, and with my background as a consultant, entrepreneur, and personal brand builder, I'm here to say enough already. Let's uncover and package your brilliance together. Welcome to this week's Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and I'm super excited to have Jay Kyle Howard with us here as guest. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So what we're going to do today is we are going to build on what we talked about in the last episode around the cure for imposter syndrome, but we're going to be talking to a real life person who also went through the ringer and overcame his own imposter syndrome. So before we get started, so let's talk about who you are and how we know each other um, yes. before we get into it. So tell us about who you are and how we know each other. Okay. I'm Jay Cal Howard. I am the owner of the Business and Technology Integration Group. And I believe that synchronicity brought us together. I was doing a search on some terms that you don't actually put in. And so I found you. I read your information. It really rang uh, true to me. I realized that I needed help. And I think from our very first correspondence, I knew you were the right person for me. So we've been working several months now on your brand messaging and positioning. And it's interesting, as I was telling you about this imposter syndrome series for the podcast, that your eyes kind of perked up around yes. it. So yes. what was it about this topic that's, that says something to you or why were you interested? Well, I, I look back and I realized that I had a ton of unfinished work. Like I would have these great ideas and I would start marching down to the point of getting to implementation or actually sending out, sending it out. And I couldn't press the send button to take it further. So I would always go back and start something new. And I would get to that point and I would go back and start something new. So I had a whole ton of unfinished work that I was just, um, I couldn't press forward to go there. And I didn't understand why. So it's interesting. So I'm hearing two things in what you're saying. One is your awareness when imposter syndrome is coming up is that you just couldn't move forward, that you just felt that stuck feeling. Yes. And then the other is it indicated to you. So your automatic connection is I can't move forward. I've got unfinished work is yes. the two sides. Yes. So can we talk about the first part? Cause I want to go into both of them. Okay. How, what, what was, what's the experience like? So what, what was it that made you aware that you were just sort of not hitting send versus, you know, a lot of people might be thinking it's like, Oh, I'm super busy. I got a bunch of other things going on. How did you know that this was a problem for you? Well, my um, all the work that I put out there, I realized that I would never put my face on it. I wouldn't put my credentials on it. And when I looked at that and I was wondering why, and I could hear voices from the past mm. uh, telling me that either because of the way that I look, who I am, my cultural background, people wouldn't be interested in anything that I produced. Uh, and those would always stop me. And I would always get to the point where, where I thought I had good information, but um, who I am as a person would seem to uh, feel, uh, it's not a matter of confidence. It's just, I honestly believed those voices that told me I, I wasn't good enough. So interesting. So the difference in the voices isn't like, hey, we could do this better in the specifics. It was more this generalized condemnation is the voice that you recognize as imposter syndrome. Yes. Yeah, so the, the voice to start was always, we have a better mousetrap. You know, 
you, you can go ahead and do this. And I would create it. But then I would get to that point and go, you know, nobody's going to receive it. Uh, you know, and I would go through that whole piece and then I would write stuff and I started using aliases and all of these things and just didn't know why. Like, who would be interested in what I have to say was my question. And it would always be no one because I didn't grow up in an environment that supported me that way. And so I didn't think anybody else would. So even though you have years of experience, so it's interesting around imposter syndrome, as I did research for this, um, for this series, it's really the whole challenge of not being able to internalize our yes. accomplishments. This mousetrap that you're talking about, you built it when you were a CIO, you were in the C-suite and you built it. So share a little bit more about that because you do have an interesting perspective on your role from a technology standpoint and how you do have impact yes. on the business. So can you yes. share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Um, I used the negative voices to push me. And so uh, when I set the goal to become a CIO, I just felt like all I had to do was outwork people and I would let work speak for itself. And I never took the time to understand exactly what an executive was. I just thought I could show up as me. And then when I got the position, there were, there were requirements of me that was non-technical, non-manual. Um, and that's where I realized I really don't know how to be an executive. I know how to be a technician. And so once I hit that point, then all the other negative voices showed up. Maybe not really good at this stuff, or maybe, you know, and then I start thinking about um, actually a person told me that I got the position because I was a minority. And that just kind of created even a bigger situation. And so I doubled down and tried to work out work people. But in that position, there was only so much I could do. And so I found myself building walls and then running into them and thinking it was everybody else because it was easier to blame the environment or other people as opposed to taking a look at myself. But somehow in the middle of this, you did crack the code on yes. how to get technology in the business to have a positive relationship. Yes. So while you were in that role, like, so obviously you took all of those non-technical yes. challenges and you turned it into this better mousetrap yes. while you were a CIO, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, I, I developed a framework and um, the first people that I had to convince was my staff that the framework was valid. Because what we had, we were missing, um, it was funny, the business was in the same situation. We would start these projects, and we would never finish them. We were always doing something else. And so I created a framework, I called it a success framework so that we would take in one project at a time and complete it before we took in another one. And we kept doing it over and over and over again. And then I started to spread it out across the entire environment. And it was easy for me to direct other people to do that work for me without me having to go out and sell it. Now, they would ask me about it and I would tell them because you know the numbers spoke for themselves. We went from like a 23% completion to over 97% completion of projects. Okay, so I got to stop you here. That's a huge stat. Absolutely. Huge Absolutely. success. Yes. Yes. Okay. But then when you left and you wanted to take this framework and apply it to other companies, even though you have a stat like that, that's a massive improvement. Yes. You still had that imposter syndrome. Yes. Because now 
I didn't have anyone else to rely on. I didn't have a staff, you know, behind me. It was just me showing up, trying to explain this. And um, I didn't think for, for a minute that I was talking to the wrong people. Like I had the wrong clients, but I was trying to go into a nonprofit industry who didn't have technology at all. I mean, technology staff at all. So it was all on me. And, you know, there were times where I felt like I built this on um, shaky ground because they would ask a question and I would go into an explanation, which was highly technical. And that's when I realized my messaging was off. And that's when I started looking for help because I, I could speak that messaging in an internal IT shop. They kind of had to listen to me because I was it. But out in the world, there are other options. And I never really had to compete before, you know, uh, to the point where I had to feed myself. And then not getting contracts initially just kind of um, kind of worked me a little bit. And I thought, well, maybe I made a mistake. Uh, but I also believe that I should burn my boats behind me so I don't have any return. And I just have to push forward. And I knew I needed help. And that's why I started looking and found you. So it sounds like, though, that you're... You you are very com- comfortable understanding when these voices are coming up, yes. even though you have that. So you were able to recognize the voice and do something about it. Like they yeah. didn't, they didn't, they kind of knocked you down for a little bit, but they didn't knock you over completely. Yes. Yes. So is this a skill that you have developed over time or is this something that recently developed? Like how do you get to a point where you see the kind of the little tricks that your imposter syndrome is playing? And and how do you transcend that experience so that you move into positive action? Well, I, I, I use this. Um, it's a question and answer process that I go through where where the voices come up. Uh, the one thing I do, I, I embrace them because I know that they're there to protect them. Right. These are the same voices that say, don't stick your hand in fire, all this other stuff. So I get that. And so because I know that, then I started questioning, well, is that really true? What I'm thinking, is it true? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, do I have examples to prove that it's not? And I can go back through my history and find some relative success that I did and go, well, I was a success in this arena, same voices, so it can't be true. So when it didn't, the, the more I push forward, the lower the voices got. And, and so it wasn't about just having confidence, like the voice is louder than the confidence. Like to me, the confidence is the thing that says go forward. It's the voice that says stop. And so I realized that I have these things. I want to move forward with it because I do have a life that I would prefer to live and I can't let the voice stop me. And um, and I consider myself a fighter and I I, I don't like, I like to the challenge of it now. Like I, I look at it as a game, right? So I have this foe, me, and I have to overcome me. And I'm the only person that can stop me. And so uh, just having that reliance and, and, and actually embracing and loving that voice, because I know it's there for a good reason to protect me. And protection also means not extending myself beyond my comfort zone. And as long as I stay in my little box, everything's great. I did not like being an employee. Never did. But I stayed in it so long and I would bounce from one job to the next. And finally, I got enough. And I'm like, you know, I need to go ahead and just move forward and burn this job employee thing, you know, just burn it to the ground and just see what happens. 
Well, you are typifying every reason why I named this podcast enough already. It's like I had enough of this and I want to believe that I'm enough. What I love about what you're saying is a lot of the things that I had talked about in the last couple episodes around the imposter syndrome is number one is you need to look at your imposter syndrome, not as all of you, but a part of you, you know? And the second thing is that you are compassionate about it. Like I get who you are. I get your agenda. You know, you're just here to keep me safe. You're not here. You're definitely not here for my highest potential, but you're here to keep me safe. Oh, sweet little thing. And then the third thing that you do is I call this broken record truth Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things where, you know, you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. And I picture it like when my kids get really scared about whatever it is that is, you know, like even when they were little, like, oh, there's monsters under the bed. And, you know, I can't just say it once, like, no, there's no monsters under the bed. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. No, there's no monsters under the bed. <laughs> you know, you don't like go on and explain all the details around everything about monsters and where they live and all of that. Right. You just say, no, there's no monsters. No, Ainsley, there is no monsters. No, Ainsley, there's no monsters. No, Ains- Ainsley, there, that's my daughter. <laughs> She's my fun one. Um, you know, there's no monsters and you keep saying it until they settle down. It's like, ah, oh, there's no monsters. You know, it's that right. same kind of thing with the imposter syndrome. Like, no, like this, this would be one of those things if we were, if you were in the throes of it and you were wondering like, oh, was anybody going to buy my framework? I would ask you, you know, Jay, what was the initial metric that you had before you implemented your, your, your um, framework? And you would have said 23%. I think this, you said 23% close rate, you know, and then what's the end one? 97%. Okay. What was the beginning one? 23%. What was the end one? 97%. You know, okay. Do the math for me. You know, I'm not good at math, but what's, what's the percent increase here? Yeah. Okay. And then we keep saying it over and over again until it's like, you know, but you did that for yourself. Yes. Yeah. And and it still shows up. So I, I, I look at it now. I just kind of put it in my backpack and I know it's there. And sometimes it shows up and I'll go, just shut up. Right. Because I'll have this conversation with myself now. Thanks. But yeah, I don't need you, your input on this one. I got it. And so I have that quick, funny dialogue and it just kind of keeps me uh, just moving forward. And it sounds like you have done some work to understand your, you know, some of those longer term messages that might make it harder for that truth to sit in. Um, Any tips on how to handle some of the longer term messages where the broken record truth is a little bit more resistant and getting in? Well, you know, um, like everyone else, I had some tragedies coming up and, you know, I real you can't undo them. You, You can't go back and fix it. Physically, I've learned that I can go back and change the video in my mind, though, to make it look positive. And it's it's akin to creating your own life story, not exactly what happened, but the way you wanted it to happen. And so when I started doing that, it just kind of lessened the impact of those long-term things. Uh, one of the things that I did, um, I got into just a a huge um, disagreement with someone. It was almost life ending. And I thought, well, as long as I don't try and relate with other people, I won't have to deal with this anymore. And I carried that thing with me for 20 some odd years, not getting engaged with people. So I didn't build up any networks. Uh, I went to work and worked. I wasn't involved with people. You know, my routine was work to the gym, in a grocery store and home. And that was my life for the last 20 years. And 
it comes a point where that doesn't, it's not suitable. It's definitely not sustainable. And I had to figure out, well, what was it? Well, it was an agreement that I made with myself when I was 19. And I didn't realize how far I had carried that along and what the impact would be now as I'm trying to start off on my own. You know, getting a job is always easy for me. You know, once I got in the door to do the interview, I was fine. But when I start out on my own, not having a tribe or village of people to support me, you know, it was the challenges was enough for me to quit, but it was a challenge also enough for me to continue to move forward, realizing that in order for me to have a different experience, I have to do something different. And so all the things that I've learned to do got me to this point. And now I'm trying to get here. And I realized that I lacked some of the um, knowledge to get there. So I realized I have to um, leverage other people's skills. And, uh, and that's why I try to reach out. You know, I used to read all the marketing books and you know, it's, <laughs> it's a ton of stuff out there. But I knew that um, in order to do this right, I had to find someone who could do this better than I could. And so I'm learning to lean on people and to try to build a village of people who can help me in the meantime, extend out to folks. Um, one of the things I did notice was LinkedIn has turned into a big sales platform. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I understand why people don't respond as quickly because everything seems like a sales message and I'm the same way. So I get it. And so I'm just looking at different ways to get out and meet people and the pandemic didn't help. You know, so now everything's starting to open up a little bit. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. What I think is really amazing that I'm starting to see consistently with my clients and especially those who have the potential of becoming thought leaders is it's not around you can change the past, but it's like how you can redeem the past, Yes, you know, that you could use your story. So it's interesting in your stories, you felt isolated, but your framework that you want to offer to IT professionals is all about how you use relationship skills to yes. build relationships with the business. Yes. That's a really powerful story. Or um, my partner, Jen, is starting to really move forward in a, uh, a sub-brand under my company, under relationship-based sales. Yes. And what's really powerful about her story, she struggled a lot with sales. And yes. now she loves sales. Like this is one, and she doesn't, we don't, in our world, we don't call it sales. We call it partnership setup, but yes. it's basically sales. She loves it. This is her favorite part. She's taken over all of the discovery wow. meetings, not because it's like, well, I don't have time. She's like, oh my gosh, she loves this. And it's part of her story because she struggled with it you know, not having a voice and not being able to advocate. And I think that that's one of those things that we redeem our stories by, by that's how we redeem them is by helping others in the areas that we once struggled. Yes. So if you, and IT is, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to find a lot of people in IT. No offense to all the IT people are listening. You guys are awesome. But it's not known as like, you know, the touchy feely department. You're not Absolutely. going into IT to, you know, get the kumbayas. Absolutely. You know, like my background in HR, you know. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things you said to me I thought was key in this whole process was um, you had mentioned that we are trying to help a former self of ours, right? And, you know, that rang so true to me because I realized that the things that I saw as a problem were the problems that I was experienced or the problems I had to overcome. And so I could easily talk about them because I had the experience. I was sitting in the driver's seat, you know, going through that. And so I know that um, like even my staff, I think I 
purposely hired a bunch of introverts just so they'll leave me alone, <laughs> so they would stay away from me. And you know, I just didn't realize that. And then when you're trying to get a meeting together, nobody seemed to be interested. You know, so you create these monsters that you didn't have to, you know, kill because uh, it was your own doing. And so, yeah, the the relationship thing was was it's easy for me. They just didn't work for me in the past, so I didn't change the fact that I enjoy relationships. I just built a wall up to keep people away, so I didn't have to fundamentally change who I was. I just had to build a barrier to keep people from being getting close to me. You know, as, as a wrap up, I would probably just mirror one thing that I think is really cool to see the other side of imposter syndrome. Yes. You can laugh at yourself. Yes. Like this is how you know when you're on the other side is like when yes. you can make fun of your, you know, your funny little ways of protecting yourself from it. <laughs> like you're entertained by it now. Like, yes. oh, look at me. I felt so insecure in this area. I hired a bunch of introverts and they'd leave me alone. <laughs> like that's how you know, you know, like you know you've healed from something is when you could have a little bit of dark humor over the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> you it's know, even so funny when one of them listened to this podcast. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. He he hired me because I was going to leave him alone. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but if you could poke poke fun of your own dysfunctions. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what it is. That's that's how you know you've on the other side. I never really thought about it that way. But when there is a sense of humor about it, you know, that you can laugh at your foibles. I think that's probably why Buddha's always smiling and all the, you know, all of the, um, pictures or all of the the statues of the buddhas he's always smiling and laughing always yeah because you know that self-reflection man is, it's amazing except for jesus usually we see stuff like he's laughing but except for the end so that, <laughs> from that religious figure standpoint it doesn't really play itself out but i'm sure a lot of enlightened people wind up laughing at themselves and because yeah, they I would imagine so maybe when he said why have thou forsaken me maybe he didn't say it as seriously as we thought he was yeah well, I don't know. Oh, but he was probably funny when he uh, talked to Thomas. It's like, yeah, haha, check out my whole, you know, holes yeah. in my hand. You know? <laughs> he was probably like tongue in cheek about that. You know? Yeah, yeah, holes in my feet, holes in my hand. You, guys you know, and when you send it into heaven, he's like, peace out, everyone. You know? <laughs> you know? Super fun. Yeah, I'm done. Love you, mean it. <laughs> Catch you on the other side. That's you know? right. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anywho, so, um, if you were as just sort of a last last bit of advice, you know, mm-hmm. like what is one thing for those who are still not quite on the other end where they can make fun of themselves, but more right. at the beginning or the throes where they feel that stuck feeling? What is like one or two things that you would recommend that those who are listening can apply and start getting um, traction and action on what they're wanting to create with their consulting or coaching business? You know, as much as it's frowned upon, we really have to question ourselves. And I, I like one of my models is question everything. You know, um, it, it I realized to the point that the only reason why I call myself Jay and I say that I'm 57 is because someone told me that. Like, I, I don't know that to be true. It's just what I've been told. So everything in my life, for the most part, has been given to me or told to me, my habits, my environment. Like, I didn't choose most of the stuff that I'm about. But I accepted them as who I am. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And so I put on the, my license plate, I am zero. And people ask me, what does that mean? Well, it means zero is all possibility. I can go from literally nothing in any direction I want to, to achieve any goals I want. And so, and it doesn't matter where I came from, who my parents were, any of that stuff, at least in this country. And so uh, you have to question yourself. You have to ask yourself why. 
why do I like this? Or why do I eat this? Or I mean, something as simple as um, I would buy Neapolitan ice cream and I didn't eat strawberry. I always throw the strawberry out. And when I'm like, why do I keep buying this? <laughs> it was just habit. The way yeah. I scrambled my eggs, the way, you know, all of it. And it, it is really cool to kind of rebuild yourself. Like now say I'm J2.0 because I realized that, you know, the first version of me was this version that was created by my environment, all the insecurities, all the things. But when I start questioning myself, like, is that true? Like, why do you believe that? And it doesn't have to be some magnanimous thing, but I keep a notepad. Like, why do I believe or, or why am I the best CIO whisperer ever? I ask myself that question every day. And I come up with these weird answers because I'm six feet two, because I weigh 270. Like I've come up with these answers, but they're mine. And so no one's going to tell me that I'm the best, but I can tell myself that. And I can come up with reasons because it activates my mind now on becoming what I want to become, as opposed to kind of dwelling in where I started from and all the other stuff and you know, that kind of thing. And so it, it's fun just to come up and go back and read the answers and like, well, that was silly. But it's true. I'm six too. And so uh, it, it doesn't have to be something serious. Just have fun with it and, and get to know yourself. Like we spend so much time trying to understand everything else outside of ourselves. And remember it was seek yourself the kingdom. Well, we are the kingdom. We need to understand who we are. And that's that's been the biggest change for me, the most important critical change for me to understand who I am or who I choose to be at any given moment. It feels like you're it's not just who you choose to be, but it feels like you're reclaiming who you actually are before yes. life told you you had to be different. Absolutely. Because I don't think that the the guy that you and I talked about in some of the branding work, that the way that you played as a kid and the way that you like to play is not all that different. Who like to be a CIO, you know, yes. and your story tells you some other aspects of it, but it's like reclaiming who your authentic self is. Absolutely. And that's what's true. That's right. the truest part of you, you know, who you were who you were before somebody told you, you know, what you shouldn't be. Whenever I do brand building, the, my favorite exercise that usually is a hundred percent full, foolproof, fail proof or whatever yeah. is the one around what toy did you play with when you were little? Like that will tell me everything about what you played with and how you play with it will tell me everything I need to know about what you're supposed to be like, but we forget, you know, with all of that other pressure. And it sounds like yeah. you question, it's not like you're questioning you're questioning what other people are putting on you yes. and say, does this fit me or does this not fit me? And right. if it doesn't fit you, it's like a coat and you just discard it. Yes. You know, like uh, I've always wanted to live in San Diego for some reason. And I asked myself, well, why aren't you there? And there was no good answer to not be there. And so in two weeks, I'm driving out there. To, I'm moving out there in two weeks. That's awesome. Because you know? there was just no good reason not to be there. <laughs> It's, it's really that simple. Wow. Well, this has been extremely inspiring. Thank you. So what yes. I'm what I'm hearing you say, if I were going to just say a quick wrap up, is number one, if you are dealing with imposter syndrome, just notice it and you're stuck feeling and the, the voices in your head that kind of make you remind yourself of your past life and other scenarios, which then for you indicates that it's like, I've got additional work to be done here. And within that work, what you do is you pull out the truth. And you pull out a, a, more of the authentic truth of who you are and you combat it. But before you do that, it, you also 
are friendly to this part of you. You're not over identifying with it. You're not being mean to it. You're not calling it a gremlin. That's one of my least favorite advice when it comes to imposter syndrome. I hate that advice. Hate that advice. Like, do not call it a gremlin. Like, oh, is it? What's the name of it? It's call it Lillian and tell Lillian to go away. And you don't need Lillian in the car. I'm like, that's so stupid. I need Lillian in the car. Or first off, I'm not calling it Lillian because I don't even know why that name is there. <laughs> like that's my grandmother's name, <laughs> you know. But it's like, no, I need to be keep. I need to be kept safe. But I need right. to give it what it needs. And that's what it sounds like you did. And then it sounds like your big advice, overarching. If there's one thing that you could do is question everything. Yes. Question yes. what you think you, the person you think you should be, embrace the person that you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we also talked about redeeming your past story because your past story doesn't define you, but if you mm-hmm. embrace it, you can redeem it. Yeah. It is a good moment where you realize I overcame that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I overcame all of that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. You're here today. You overcame a whole lot to get here. Mm-hmm. You know? That's the hardest thing. That's been the hardest thing for me. And even launching this podcast, I'm like, oh, people are going to find out about my story and all the mistakes I made. Like, I'd rather, can I just sit with my zero to 300,000 story? <laughs> like, that was a lot funner, you know, than yeah. the one where I built the wrong business and I had yeah. all these other relational challenges in the middle of it. Like, that was, can I just tell that story? But anywho, well, thank you so much for oh, your time. Oh, my pleasure. Anything I can do to help. And um, we are almost done with the imposter syndrome, but join us next week for the, for the next episode. I will be interviewing Mary Beth Simon, who has done a lot of work around turning struggle into strength. And so that's going to be another great episode. And then we're going to be wrapping up imposter syndrome. So thank you all for listening. And thank you, Jay, so much for being thank here. You. Super excited. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire on you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit my website, BetsyJordan.com, B-E-T-S-Y-J-O-R-D-Y-N. You'll find e-courses and blogs that offer roadmaps for your success. Don't wait. Start today.